0: Hello and welcome to the final episode in season one of the Leadership in Construction podcast. As ever, I'm your host Michael and today I am joined by three fantastic guests, each from a separate episode of season one. So I'm joined by Brandy Davey, Paul Unwin and Patricia Hayward. Welcome everyone. Hi.
1: Hi, hey, Michael. Thank Thanks for
0: having me. You're welcome. Um, And so in this very last and very special episode, I've invited Paul, Brandy and Patricia to this to this episode to put questions to them individually. And um, uh, these are questions that have come in from from listeners and viewers um, and and really want to get your thoughts on those questions. Um, First of all, I want to start off by thanking uh, Paul, Brandy and Patricia and every single guest that has been on the show. It's this experience of starting this podcast in November in 2020 uh, during the second national lockdown. It's been an, a, an amazing experience being able to meet fantastic people, meet new people. I mean, for me and Brandy, we, we've known each other for a while, so it's been great to reconnect and yeah. to, to to meet Paul and to do um, mm-hmm. extra things like uh, speaking to University of Coventry and getting to know Patricia really well. It's been a fantastic opportunity to meet some brilliant people, so I want to just thank... Uh, yourselves uh, and all the guests that have been on the show first and foremost and I just want to thank every single listener, every single viewer that, that have listened to this podcast because uh, um, if I've been able to help at least one person then, then I feel like this is doing doing what it's meant to, meant to be done for. So I want to start off by saying thank, thank you. What I'll do is I'll start off by sort of asking the first question that's come in uh, and I'll, first of all Brandy I'll put it to you so sorry to put you straight on the spot. That's okay. Uh, and then I'll ask Paul the same question and the same P- Patricia. We'll just talk it through after that. Um, so the first question, which I think is really great, is um, what advice would you give your younger self, you know, in terms of leadership uh, when you first started out in construction?
1: Calm down. <laughs> Take a step back. Listen to people um, who've got a lot more experience than you have. Um And the reason I say calm down, I think that's, again, probably down to my personality. I've always been quite um, forthright, confident, uh, you know. um, I think certainly that element of taking a little bit of time to think about the answer, to make the decision with all of the best information that you can, and to go forward, as opposed to that thing in construction where we're like this going, I've got to have the answer now. I would probably yeah. advise my younger self just to calm down.
0: Mm, that's a really good answer. And I think we always sort of feel tendency to feel like we're fighting fire sometimes and, yeah. and feel like you've got to get an answer straight away. And I think the truth is sometimes you don't have to get an answer. You can take that time to, to really get the question and, and, and answer it properly. That's yeah, great. and
1: I think there is a balance, isn't there? You know, There are times in construction when a quick decision needs to be t- taken for productivity, but that doesn't mean you can't take... Thirty minutes to decide over it. It doesn't always have to be that second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, certainly as a youngster, I'd be very quick to make decisions. Um, unfortunately, I didn't regret too many of them. But you know, <laughs> look and judgment, I suppose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's really great, Paul. What, what about you? What would you? What advice would you give to your younger self? I I think
2: for me, it's it's be authentic. It's actually, be yourself because your views are are valid. Yeah, I think when we're young and just starting off in leadership, I think we think we have to be something special or something we've seen or something kind of out of grasp. But for me, I think what I've learned is actually your gut feeling about, you know, this is the right thing to do, is it? And I think it's when you're young, it's it, it's quite courageous to, to go with that, to go with that because, you know, you're surrounded with people with you know lots more knowledge, lots more experience. And maybe you think, hmm, is this the right thing to do? Just go for it. If that's what you're feeling, if that's coming from, kind of from your heart, especially when you're talking about health, safety and well-being, mm. you know, that's that's probably the right thing. Go with your gut feeling, be authentic and, and, and definitely step up uh, to that. It's hard when you first start to do it, but you kind of get into it. So mm. that's... That's my advice and I, I, I wish I'd started doing that many, many years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I think as well, if, if you're not being authentic, uh, it's harder to build trust within teams, trusting teams, because people can see straight through that and sort of see that this person isn't being genuine. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's a really good one. Thank you, Paul. Patricia, well, what about yourself?
3: Yeah, I would say similar to Paul, but for me it would be about standing in my power and being comfortable sitting with my pain or that tension so for me a lot of it has to do with challenging the status quo and there were times when I did it and as you know we've had this discussion where I was the too much girl (laughs) you know um and I've always been the one or one of the people standing up and challenging things or saying, This is perhaps, let's see, we've always done it this way, but is there another way? And there were times when um, I was made to feel as if my, my views weren't were relevant. And when you're in that space, it can be very painful, especially if you're young or you're young in the industry, it can be very painful and you, you, you run away, you hide from it because of the, the shame and just everything that surrounds that and for me um I would tell my my younger self to stand in that power sooner be comfortable in it and it's okay to sit with that pain it's okay to be the only one challenging things mm. uh, that's fine
0: yeah yeah because I think sometimes when you do try and challenge and you sort of like um Shot down you sort of feel a bit more um, unable to challenge again really and and silence a little bit yeah, it, it's yes, new, and,
3: and, and it robs you of it robs you and it robs the project yeah. of an opportunity to do better because mm-hmm. nothing is wrong with challenging or bringing your ideas forward there are no stupid ideas you test it you know yeah <laughs> if it works it works if it doesn't you go back to the drawing board and i think if more of us were able to stand in that space and having more ideas coming forward um things would change a lot quicker um we would be doing a
0: lot better in the delivery of projects for sure absolutely and brandy you're nodding your head have you sort of similar experience to that
1: yeah i certainly have had similar experiences for that and also i think um when you speak to a team of people about um change in particularly what could we do better how could we change this you do often find that the response from those people is well there's no point no one ever listens to what i have to say Um, things like innovation don't get captured and and this ends up being if you like a negative attitude towards change then on site so i think a lot of that does perpetuate from what patricia is saying where people have made the effort to stand up to challenge and essentially been shot down in flames and people then say, "Well, what's the point?" Mm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think for me, certainly, like um, at the early parts of my career, I I was quite a shy person, quite an introvert myself. So I would, I would always sort of hold back my views and my suggestions, and never actually say what I was thinking or or, or, or you know challenge things. That that was something I would definitely teach myself. But as I got older and got into a leadership problem, uh, leadership role. I think I went too far the other way, and then didn't listen to anybody. I just thought, okay, well, I know the solution to this, so we're just going to go along with my solution, and I don't care what you think as a team. <laughs> and and then and and I was doing to uh, people what happened to me, and then people stopped voicing their own opinions. People stopped uh, voicing their their um, views, and and I think that really caused me a lot of problems, which is what really started me on wanting to learn more about leadership. So, yeah. What about you, Paul? Do you have anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think I, I agree with Patricia and Brandy. R- really, really interesting. And I think, you know, telling your younger self, it's it's as leaders. We want to create an environment where our young leaders of the future can contribute, you know, so we create an environment that they feel that their views are going to be listened to and actually taken on board. So it's down to all of us you know, thinking, you know, back to how we felt when we were younger. Okay, what it was like for me? How can I improve that for the future leaders that are coming through? So definitely creating an environment where challenge is welcome, where actually getting it wrong is okay. You know, because for every, you know, 100 ideas, probably 99 aren't going to be great, but that it's worth waiting for the 100th one. And to actually build up those those people who are having you know lots of ideas. Don't worry if some of them don't make it. I want you to contribute and actually support you to have those ideas. What we don't want to to do is create an environment where we shut that people down because they've had an agree that we don't idea that we don't believe in. Because those people will will then stay very quiet and don't feel they can contribute and we'll lose them in time as well. So for all sorts of reasons, you know, in encourage contributions. It uh, doesn't matter if those contributions aren't always great, but to develop and encourage leaders, we need to create an environment where they are welcome, encouraged, built up uh, and and making kind of more decisions and and contributing e- even more. Uh, because uh, as I'm proving now, I, I say too much already. You know, I need to let other people in and 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 voice their opinions and I need to listen more
0: Mm. yeah I I completely agree with that yeah so um, yeah and I think that's all really great stuff and and fundamental stuff It's certainly when I started realizing that um, as a leadership role that things weren't working was when people stopped contributing and, and, and stopped uh giving ideas and stopped even coming to meetings that was really sort of the indicator to me you know it should have been a big red flag that um you know my skills <laughs> yeah. my skills weren't helping this is, i wasn't creating that environment where where people could feel safe enough to share their ideas um and certainly when i started allowing people to share ideas and create solutions for themselves total three uh one eight, yeah eight, every turn around everybody started putting ideas forward and and, and um, really I stopped solving problems which is kind of the sort of thing that I don't want to do anyway you know <laughs> so the next question I'll have first I'm going to put this one to you Paul first uh, which is could you describe a time uh, you took a leadership position when you weren't uh, didn't have that sort of leadership title or leadership sort of you know position within an organization yeah
2: let's just have a think about that so that's a role where I was kind of put into a leadership um, role where, yeah, it, it didn't have a kind of a, a head of, or a chair or of anything like that sort of situation for for kind of supporting and developing others. Yeah, so, you know, throughout your career, there, there are times when you kind of have to take the lead or you have to jump in uh, because others aren't doing it. And you have a choice in those situations, uh, either to kind of sit back and, and stare around and say, oh somebody else is going to take this lead, I want somebody else to do it. Uh, but it's having that confidence to actually step in and say, no, I I know I know a way forward here. And especially for, for young people again, it's it's having that confidence to 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 kind of to kind of do that and to step up. Um, thinking of one for for me, so Part of what I do is um, I'm on the committee of the Chartered Institute of Hires and Transportation. That's how I met Brandy, actually, uh, (laughs) a few few years ago and in the committee, you know, we're all doing it voluntarily. Nobody's got any titles or anything. And um, we felt as a committee, we wanted to do more on events, a programme of events and i was looking around and i thought, oh, i think this is a great idea why isn't you know, everybody kind of putting their hand up and i hadn't been there kind of very very long i thought well actually i'm going to put my hand up for for this uh i think some of the others were, were relieved <laughs> that somebody had actually volunteered but i think if you've got it in your kind of you know heart and if you've got a passion for something it doesn't matter what your your job title is um, it, it is that it's the passion, it's the wanting to do it, it's the wanting to lead, it's the wanting to contribute. So definitely, you don't wait to have the job title to lead. Um, I, you know, I come up with this phrase. You know, that don't call yourself an artist. Paint. You know, you don't have to have the job title before you do it. You know, just just start painting, and then the titles will will come. Um, so, and, I, and you know, that's great. Uh, on that one, start organising programme events and it, it immediately, you know, you are in that leadership position uh, because you, you, you've got to communicate with people, you've got to put a programme together, you've got to kind of get speakers together. So, that, I think that's, that's it. Look for opportunities where you can lead, yeah, before you have the title, yeah. Don't call yourself an artist, Just just paint.
0: That's <laughs> no, really good. It's really good. Um, Patricia, can can I come to you next?
3: Well, I I think leadership is more like a state of mind, and it's something that you can embody anyone, anywhere, at any level. Uh, for some people, it comes uh, because of where they sit in the organization chart. Um, In construction, that tends to be how it happens. (laughs) But generally, and I've always believed that you have people who are high up on the ladder, and they're not leaders. So I do think that you're able to lead from anywhere you are. And I also think that everyone is a leader, especially in construction, right? We're all leaders of risk management. That's what we do. We're leading uh, from the cleaner right up we are leading our own scope of work. Um, and collectively, we contribute to the project and the success of the project. So I think that it is important that you know people understand, and this is what I always say, like to the apprentices who work with me, so, is that you are a leader. It is your state of mind, and you can embody that right now. And how do you then act that out is by doing good work, and doing great work, and going over and above um, you know what you are called to do within reason of course and do that so for my example when I, I worked with that construction company where i was not on the board but i had portfolio that were board level you know so i had i was ownership for example of um certain change responsibilities and you know a are going transformation within the organization and uh, that's i I was able to get, that, I think, because I view the I don't see leadership as a title, I don't see something special that some people have. I see it as a state of mind that you can embody right now. If you look at the best version of, of yourself, who you want to be, or you can look at maybe people out there who you admire, who are great leaders who you admire and take the best qualities of them and embody it right now and start acting it out. And that's leadership to me, because I've met people who are like in the hierarchy there, you know, do so and so that, and they're they're not leaders, definitely not. They don't even have the mind of a leader. Um, so that that's how I look at leadership.
0: Mm, no, I uh, completely agree with you. I think that's uh, absolutely fundamental. And um, Randy, same same question for you.
1: Yeah, I think what Patricia was saying is um, it's certainly something that rings true on a project. You know, we have a a hierarchical leadership role if you like, but each individual is responsible for taking leadership in what they are responsible for delivering. Um going back to personal experience, I've probably got a few that I could come back to. Um my first role on the M1, I went to the boss and I said, I realise that we don't do any recycling here. Is it all right if I set up a recycling scheme for the project? Uh, it was a five million pound motorway project on the M one. Um and he said, yeah, if you want, but you've got to run it. So I did. Um, so things like that for me, me personally, um, I could go through uh, probably my life and tell you about different experiences where I've put my hand up and said, yeah, I'll have a go at that. Um, or where I've essentially not stood still. So I'm not the, the sort of person that looks at what needs to be done and waits for somebody else to do it. I've always been the sort of person that steps forward and says, um, actually I'll help with that. Um, I'll, I'll, lead that I'll joke about the fact that all my family are probably a family project managers if you like we all like to point and tell everyone else what to do <laughs> um, but uh, from a, a leadership perspective I think one that's much more recent for me um, my role uh, that I have been doing has varied in these past few years since I set the business up and one of the roles that I've done is as the NEC free work supervisor which is a role I know you've done yourself as a sort of designer representative employers representative on site and the contractor wanted to do something a particular way. And it was, I wasn't able to directly say to the contractor, I don't want you to do it like that. I would like you to do it like this. And so there was um, if you like, a, a move away from that traditional leadership of, hang on a minute, I'd like it to be done from here to here, and that little bit of coaching and influencing. Um, and looking at the constraints in a different way to perhaps they were perceiving them to be. Um, The long and short of it was they wanted to close a road that couldn't be closed. Um, And we were looking at how we could continue to do that work safely. And they were finding it very difficult to find a way around the constraint. So I was able to work with them and talk them through it, but I wasn't responsible directly for leading them. Um, And you know, it ties back to what Patricia's saying. It's what all of us essentially do to step up when we're in that situation how can we move things forward how can we get mm. things done
0: mm. I mean I guess what I hear a lot from both yourself and, and Patricia and Paul is is um putting your hand up to to do something to 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 really sort of um jump into that role um without either being asked or without having really any authority or or, or that uh sometimes maybe even that kind of experience and, and I think something that Patricia mm. touched on is about health and safety we all have the responsibility around health and safety and I know that we can all do better uh, and we have the responsibility to kind of lead and, and 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 if we create those environments which we talked about earlier about where we can um, feel feel safe enough to speak up we can you know speak up about health and safety issues without feeling of being ridiculed you know this is how we've always done it sort of thing
2: yeah.
0: um, you know there's better ways for doing that and I think um, I was always quite good early on in my career for trying to pop my hand up and do the little bit extras and and, and, and lead. And I think I slowed down doing that. And, and only recently now, I suppose the, um, the sort of thing that I do now is, is around sort of development and development of others. I feel like I don't, develop myself in terms of my career, in terms of, I don't now read books on concrete and read books on, on, on uh, you know, technical things. I try and help those that want to go for incorporated or chartership and, and develop them. And I've taken, I've got fed up with sort of saying, oh yes, you know, you need to get that experience or we'll get round to giving you that sort of training. And it's like, no. We're going to do the training it takes an hour let's do an hour every fortnight let's do it out of hours we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get you that training and you know if you need someone to help you with your uh, mentorship to, to 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 get your incorporation or your chartership i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna help you make sure you do that so i've actively decided because i want to do that i've gone to my director and says well look any reason why i can't be a delegate engineer to help this person through their IPD or any reason why I can't help mentor this individual to, to, to get them through to their incorporation. Because I sort of feel that it's fundamental that we continue to develop people, even specifically yes. now when it's, it's, we're, we're under a bit more pressure um, and, and maybe budgets are a bit tighter, um, we find it difficult to find the time uh, to develop and learn. So I, I, in terms of taking the lead when it's not my role, or position, you know, to, I try to make sure that we lead in people to, to, to develop and grow themselves, which in turn helps the team, helps the organization achieve their goals, you know. So it's a good benefit for everybody in, in reality. Um, but but yeah, I think, you know, certainly it's putting your hand up to, to volunteer to, to to take take the lead on something, isn't it? I think uh, you've also demonstrated that as well. So um so yeah thank you for those stories. So brilliant. Um one of the great questions that I'll start off with you, Patricia, if that's okay. And I think I probably know who you're going to say. Um, but who do you look up to as a leader? And some, this is something that we twitched on in our episode. About um, you mentioned Michelle Obama being one. Who do you look up to as, as a leader?
3: Yeah, I look up to Michelle Obama. But, you know, she, she's a she was, she's a lawyer too. So. <laughs> Um, but I, I look up for like, you know, because a leadership, and this is another thing with leadership, it's something that you have to work at every single day to be better, as you pointed out, because there's a trap, there are two extremes, you know, <laughs> either you're bad at it, or you get too good at it that you think, you know, everything stops with you. Um, so I work on it daily and, you know, who I look to, really like, as I told you before, I look at Napoleon Hill. Um, you know, I listen to a lot about that. I also, you know, read a lot from, like, Marcus Garvey, um, he's Jamaican. I read a lot of speeches, like Malcolm X, he was really good at leading. So, those are the type of people that I look to. I see what they've done. I pick things that I like and I pull on it. And uh, just use that to inspire me. And even in every day, um, you know, I've lived in so many different countries, even living like in um, Uganda, and, and and that's why, you know, I believe that leadership is really something that everybody can embody because when I, for example, in Kampala, and I would see like the market, like she's a leader, you know, a leader in her community coming out every day to make money, she gives back to her community or even other everything. So those people also inspire me. Those women who, um, especially in African cultures where they go out, they earn, and what they earn might um, help out their whole village. <laughs> you know, they, those are leaders, and they also inspire me to, to know that to do more. Because especially when you live in like, a developed country, we take so many things for granted that it really grounds me and bring me back to basic that leadership is also about giving leadership is also about contribution it's not just about you know standing up and um you know giving orders and all that stuff a a true leader is someone who you know as brandy said, sees the gap you know and they step up and also someone who can look into the future and see what can be and bring it into the present and have the buying of everyone to work towards that thing that they see in the future, which, you know, that's what I've seen, um, you know, especially coming from Jamaica and growing up the way I did. Um, I see a lot of that in everyday, everyday people, you know, um, some of them name less, but they also inspire me.
0: Mm. That's a really good one. And I think That's that's probably a common misconception is that as you look up to sort of leaders, you think about, um, you know, sort of extremely very well popular people and people at the top of organisations and things like that, but you're right, you know, just those people that uh, take the initiative, take the lead to to go and uh, earn earn some money by selling fruit or selling vegetables, whatever it is, to then help. You know look after their community and look after their their village you know that's that that can also be inspiring but that's also a great leader and i think that's brilliant i think one of the one of the really great episodes i did uh with um more blessing Luxor. she she um uh she's doing great projects out in uh, africa at the moment where uh, which you know yeah brilliant <laughs> and and these are cross-border trades you know this is help facilitating trade across these borders uh, to help these people to be able to make a living and be able to help feed their family and feed their community. Those kind of projects are so inspiring, like those ones take very little effort to get people behind those projects. And and uh, I'm sure the leaders have got a really great easy job being able to t- <laughs> say, show them the impact and show them what benefit that project's going to 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 bring. Um, so you know, that's, that's really, that's really great story. Thank you. Um, Brandy, what about yourself? Who do you look to, up to as a leader?
1: Um, I wrote the question down and I was racking my brain thinking uh, who is it, who's famous that I really look up to
0: and
1: um, I don't particularly watch a lot of TV or anything like that so I I wouldn't honestly say there's anybody that you'd look up and go oh yeah it's them. Um, Very much like what Patricia said you know I've grown up fortunately with some really strong women around me and I think that has enabled me to see the way they live their lives and reflect a lot of their qualities in myself uh, whether it's um, my auntie Janet, you know, mum's best friend, we're from the <laughs> north, um, who has, you know, shown so much empathy and care and love for people in the way that she leads, um, but also doesn't take any um, rubbish from people, you know, so she's mm-hmm. she's quite a, a, quite a staunch, strong woman as well. Um, my auntie Evelyn, have <laughs> a good friend of my mum's, um, who says what's on her mind, is very honest and is very authentic, Um, You know, I've grown up around those sorts of women in my life. Um, With regard to the industry, obviously, I've worked with a lot of large companies. I've worked with um, a huge amount of different contractors, be it as subcontract or direct contracting. Um, And I think one of the people that I met in the course of my work was uh, Sir Michael Marshall, um, who uh, has passed away now. Um, But when we did the runway project at Cambridge Airport, he came out to site to visit us um, twice. And even at that point when he was in his uh, mid to late 80s, he was um, very human, Um, which sounds probably, I don't know, condescending maybe. But the expectation from somebody like me um, to meet a sir and to meet somebody who is essentially looking after this absolutely ginormous company and has been doing so for many 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 years would be that he probably didn't have a lot of interest in what we were doing it was a very very small part of of his organization's delivery targets but he was very interested um to the point where he uh, wanted to know who my family were where i live and it really um made me feel a part of his team and want to deliver what we were aiming to deliver to the absolute best of my ability. And to me, that's what leadership and, and, and having a good leader is about. It's making your team um, be able to do what you need them to do and, and to motivate people and inspire people to deliver an end goal, especially when it's project related. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. So Mike, Sir Michael Marshall is a very good man.
0: Yeah. That That's uh, that's a really great story. And I think that's, Quite important that um, you, you can almost um, certainly, you know, it can be almost intimidating when you sort of meet those people. I mean, when when I met sort of my CEO of, of RPS, I thought quite yeah. intimidated. Like, how's he going to receive this? Is he is he going to uh, like me? Is he going to be able to, you know, um, um, yeah, you know, really uh, give us some value? And actually, you know, he ended up really caring and showing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> genuine and, and being authentic and all those sorts of great things we've already talked about. And uh, sometimes I think it can surprise you, can't it? So. Very much so, yeah. Fantastic. Go on then, Paul, what about you then? Who do you look up to?
2: Yeah, and, I, I, and I'm grateful for the time to just to collect my thoughts so, and, and, and listen to Brandy and Patricia. So I've had a little bit more time to, to <laughs> think about this and I've, I've written a few names down. So for me, it's, it's those there's, there's people who, who are inspirational, who who make a difference. Um, I've been involved in Amnesty International for most of my adult life. Um, I'm getting quite old now, so it's kind of over 30, 35 years. So human rights are very important to me and and, in, and justice and injustice. So you, know, you probably know where I'm going to go with this. So the ultimate person for, for me is, is Nelson Mandela. Um, not just for what he did, but for the for the grace and the humility and the way that he did it, you know, after being incarcerated uh, in South Africa for all those many years. But then to to look at bringing that country together is is, you know, beyond amazing, beyond awesome, to have that uh, approach. And, you know, I think we all recognise what what he did, but how difficult was that to do that uh, for for him? So that for me is 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 inspiration, inspiration, and that's not just on a high level, that's on a super level of you know of of making a making a difference. I, there are a couple of other people who, uh, and I kind of look for phrases and words that they use and how they behave. Uh, another one for me is the author Harper Lee, who wrote to Killing Mockingbird. Yeah, an amazing, awesome book and Patricia's kind of smiling and nodding there. You know, the, the character of Atticus Finch. Now that's who I wanted to be. Uh, I wanted to be that type of person who actually kind of stands up for, for other people who gets on their side, uh, you know, on the side of the small people, on, on the disadvantaged, on the outcast. Um, that's leadership for for, for me. and. I, I, I've just got two more if I may. Um, There's an actor called Paul Eddington that, that some may know, he was in The Good Life and he's been, in a, a. he died of skin cancer some years ago and I, I heard him on a, on a program they pre-recorded uh, uh, before he died and he, and, um, he looked terrible, he had kind of skin cancer. Um, but they asked him this great question and I'll never forget it, so you now how would you like to be remembered? And he thought for a moment and he turned around and said um, I'd like to remember it as someone who did little harm. And I thought that was just a kind of gentle, really nice thing to say. Not that he wanted to be remembered for any wonderful or marvelous or amazing things he did, but the, that he kind of stepped gently on this planet and didn't make it any worse. You know, so for, for me, you know, that's that's the kind of the basic, you know, whatever we do, let's not try and harm other people. You know, let's make all our interactions, especially as leaders, with with other people, something that builds them up and encourages them and makes them feel feel better about themselves. Uh, and the final one is a very, very recent one. And if anybody watched the Biden presidential inauguration, um, Amanda Gorman, who was a young black woman poem poet, uh, and I had to play it back and play it back and play it back because I was crying all the way through. <laughs> And I said yes, yes, yes. This is, and again, kind of real hope for the, for the future, for for the young women like Amanda, getting it and wanting to make a difference. And I just see her doing amazing things in the future. So great, you know. Let's have more of that, please. More, more, you know, young people who uh, grasp what leadership is, because that's definitely leadership. What she was doing there, and she's a complete inspiration uh and, and just just awesome so quite a wide range there for me <laughs> that's brilliant
0: uh, oh, the one that i really liked was the one about um uh leave little harm behind you know i think as, as we work in the construction industry we're always impacting the environment we're impacting yeah. people's health and safety in society uh i think that's something that we should adopt as the as construction industry is that we should leave little we should leave a legacy that that leaves little harm and tread lightly in the with massive lorries going by every so often, and it's hard to sort of see that. But, uh, but you know, I think that's that's hugely important. Yeah, absolutely, thank you. There's some great ones in there. Um, and I think sort of for myself, uh, you know, one of the people that I um, started following years and years ago, which um, sort of helped me along this journey of leadership was, was Simon Sinek. Um, so I've been reading a couple of his books, and that's really given me some great, inspiration um and and some knowledge um and so you know so sort of a popular person that I, that I don't know that has, has inspired me and, and and as a leader I look up to certainly Sam Eric and, and Gary V is another one um and it's sort of, it's sort of people that I know obviously every single guest you three uh, I look up to as leaders I've, I've learned so much from all all you three and um, and uh, so many people that are, that are guests on the on the show. Um, uh, but on a sort of personal level, um, you know, all these sort of qualities of a great leader that we talk about, about listening, empathy, um, communicating, caring, things like that. It does, might sound corny, but my wife as well. My wife is embodies all those sort of great qualities, you know. If, if we've got something going off at work, or if we've got something going off, uh, you know, some, in another part of the family, she's always there to sort of support, listen, she always puts other people first. And um, just by sort of watching her and how she is with our children, you know, that just helps inspire me to sort of, because I relate parenting very closely to leadership and just sort of watching her with the children just helps me to sort of remember how I can sort of apply those sort of similar sort of skills to listening, caring, patience, to, to the people that I lead and the people I've followed. So, you know, it sounds probably a little bit corny, but <laughs> that's the sort of people that I look up to as, as, as a leader. Um, yes, you know, and, and through doing these podcasts, so a lot of these are really late at night. I did one with in, in Australia very recently, and, and that was up to like midnight in that podcast, which I really enjoyed. But the support as well, just being able to say, you know, do, if this is what makes you happy, and, and this is what's gonna help you um, do better, then then you could go for it, and and uh, she's been there with me every step of the way. So you know I couldn't couldn't thank her enough, really. Um, so yeah, thank you thank you for that. This this last question, we've got plenty of time. So this last question uh, is actually probably a bit of a head scratcher. So Paul, well, <laughs> you've drawn the short straw. Um, but it's actually probably quite a sort of fundamental question: is how can a leader fail? So, because we always say, you know, uh, when we're we're leading people, that um, they're going to fall down, they're going to fail, and they need supporting. We've talked about this plenty of times, the building's on fire conversation versus getting back on the bike conversation. Um, But leaders are human as well, and we fail. We fail people, we fail all the time. Um, How do you think leaders should fail? (laughs) Yeah,
2: so... Just to explain, um, you mentioned a couple of things that we've talked about before, the building on fire and riding a bike, uh, For the uninitiated, let, let's talk about a, a couple of those. So yeah, leaders can fail I- immediately if every conversation they have is a building on fire conversation. So uh, let, let's explain that. So when a building is on fire, there's no argument. We're getting out of the building. End of. Um, often will leaders will some leaders will try and shut down any opposition by turning every conversation they have into a building on fire conversation this is the way it's going to be shut up almost by saying that and what happens is yeah your people will shut up they will not follow you they will look for somebody else because that's not feeding them that's not encouraging that's not development uh developing that's not uh leadership that's autocracy and totalitarianism and, and taken to its ultimate. That's bullying. Yeah, that's where leaders fail when uh, you don't create an environment where you uh, look to listen and learn from your people. And when you want to hear their views and their opinions, I work best, and I'm sure we all do, when we feel that our views are taken on board, when we're listened to. Um, when we're appreciated, I will then contribute more. So anyone who thinks leadership is being uh, bossy, is uh, making people you know, do what I tell them to do, will fail and will get very, very lonely and will find that people don't want to talk to them and don't want to kind of uh, be in the same room with them uh, maybe at the same time. Uh, and the other one is, is the kind of riding on the, uh, riding a bike. So you've got children, uh, Michael, Uh, we talked about this before. Uh, What's the first thing that's going to happen when you try and teach your child to ride a bike? They're going to fall off. Yeah, that's what happens. As a parent, then they're going to look at you. You are the leader in their eyes. And they're looking to see your attitude and and, and what you do about that. And as a parent, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, I kind of expected that to happen. Let's get back on the bike and go along. Uh, If a, a kind of bad leadership approach on that would be, Oh, you're clearly rubbish at riding a bike. I'm going to take it off you. You're never going to ride a bike again. <laughs> so, so often, I think we see in leadership situations when somebody makes a mistake, that leader says, you're an idiot. And this blame culture comes in um, and that kind of destroys that person's confidence. So leaders fail when they're autocratic, when they don't listen, uh, when they don't encourage and when they don't get people back on the bike. So that's, that's where I am on uh, on poor leadership, and I still see it far too many times, I'm afraid. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have talks about, so there are times when you need to have that buildings mm. on fire conversation, when it really is a building on fire. Yeah. You know When it is a really, we need to make a decision on this topic. And sometimes I think you, you, you might uh, agree with this, is that can sometimes lead a, leave a leader quite isolated. If they have to make a decision, Sometimes decisions have to be made, and sometimes they're not the most popular decision to be made. Um, yeah, do you have anything to add to to that?
2: Yeah, obviously, uh, as as a leader, it's we are responsible and accountable, and we have to make the decisions. Uh, but I think where I'm coming from is, I want to learn about all the different options before I jump in with mine. My sometimes with some leaders, the first the first kind of um, a solution is their only solution, you know, and it's, hmm, not quite sure. I want to be on, I want to listen to a range of views, and absolutely then I will make a decision on that. And it may, it probably won't be the most popular one, because we can't please other people all the time. Uh, we'll try as far as we can uh, to, to, to do that, but that's not always possible. Um, and as leaders, you must have the kind of strength of your conviction to, to take those decisions. But I think what I'm saying is actually try and take the people along with you. You know, the, those decisions. Yeah, thanks, Brandy. Uh, try and take the people along with you because those decisions then will be sustainable and, and last. And again, those are the teams I want to be with. Um, doesn't really matter to me if, you know, when I've voiced my opinion, if it isn't taken on and somebody's got a, a kind of better you know, view of it, but at least I'll be listened to. At least I've got a voice and I will contribute again next time. Otherwise, I'll, I'll start being quiet. Okay.
0: Brandy. <laughs> you were nodding a lot.
1: I was that. nodding on that, especially um, Paul's point there about taking people with you. It's a specific statement that I made about one of my managers is that he has a very clear, defining way of how he wants to do something, but he needs to bring people with him because if he doesn't, everybody is going to be sitting there wondering what their part in this is. And it's excellent. Uh, an environment that I have been in and it is very unpleasant it's not pleasant to to work underneath somebody whose attitude is we're doing this but without any reason or um you know allowing for challenge or any of that but that's the exact statement that I that I used he has to take people with him mm. so um in in response to the question how can a leader fail um I think there's a A few different factors around that Um, and a a key thing is understanding the people that you have working for you. Um, I have two apprentices at the moment um, of um, very different ages and I have to have an understanding when I'm dealing with those apprentices of the way that they're reacting to what I'm saying and the way that I go about um, asking them to do different tasks. Um, There are certain things that I will ask to be done uh, by my apprentices um, that are based on um, things that are new to them so I'm asking them to do things that are outside of their comfort zone so the way that I ask them the way that I approach them to do that has to fit in with um, them believing that they're capable of doing those things and there has to be time spent um, initially when you're bringing people in like that mentoring support and coaching it can take quite a bit of time so I can understand as a leader why that approach doesn't always work because people don't always necessarily have that time to spend, or they don't necessarily understand their workforce. So they may ask somebody um, who doesn't like change or who is quite introverted, um, right, we're not going to do it like that today, we're going to do it like this, and that person just go, just that's it, they shut down. Hmm. Any opportunity to get the best out of that person is gone. Because they weren't approached in the right way initially. So I think a leader can fail by not really understanding the people they've got, not understanding the people's strengths and weaknesses. And another facet is not responding to your people. Again, I've worked under managers and I've no doubt that I've been a manager myself. When people have wanted to talk to you, or they've emailed you a question, or they've called you to ask a question, and you've gone, oh I don't really want to don't really want to answer that just now. I'll come back to it or I'll call them back but then the callback doesn't happen and you get another call two days later and that person's still waiting on your response from two days previous, you've lost them apart from anything else and um, they're now feeling irrelevant, you've potentially undermined any sort of conversation that they wanted to have with you because it's now, um, it's not in time, it's in the past, it's gone um, and you haven't been there for your people when perhaps they've been having concerns, they've been having anxieties, or even when they've had a really good idea. Um, One of the things that uh, we did when I worked out at the Falkland Islands is we did a a list of innovations that came from the workforce. So when the workforce had come and said, I've got a good idea, we made sure we documented it. And we had on that project something like 300,000 pounds worth of savings as a result of the the project team. Uh, There's about 120 people out there. And there were some people out there whose um, who, who's core business was knowing about mechanics and vehicles. So they knew how to save money and how to work that, that equipment more efficiently. I don't know that. I don't know about those things. Mm. They did. Um, and when you're in the Falkland Islands, 8,000 miles away from home, you're trying to deliver a project with all the challenges that are associated with that anyway. And you've got your team behind you and they're coming up with these good ideas that that's what you need mm. if you if you're not willing to take those people with you 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 might get there but you'll be on your own when you do
0: yeah yeah it reminds me of something that Simon Sinek says which is give authority to the the people with the information you know, it's no good uh, one person at the top of the organisation having all the authority, but none of the information. Because, yeah. as you say, they, they, they can't, they don't know how to get the best of the efficiency out of the machines that are on the on the ground. But the people that sit in the machines and that work with them day in, day out, they do have that information. They do know that. Give them authority. And, and as a leader, that sort of means letting go some sort of sense of control a little bit. And that was something I always struggled with was, oh, but what if they make a mistake? What if it goes wrong? <laughs> okay that's all right it's that's meant to happen you know as you say when you're on the bike you're meant to fall off the first time you get on a bike um you know when you start when you start learning to drive you're meant to probably stall it three or four times you know probably not after about 10 years of driving which i still do now but you know (laughs) that's that's really important and the other thing that you mentioned is about perspective um understanding people's different backgrounds and the way they approach the situation. That that's, We have some really great conversations because like you, we have in our team, uh, people of lots of different ages, lots of different backgrounds, lots of different abilities. And um, I do, I think I probably spend a lot of my time just trying to figure that out. What is the best approach for this? And then with other managers and other uh, team leaders, we'll we'll, we'll we'll talk about it as well, just to sort of well, actually, have you tried this approach maybe? Um, Maybe you're releasing the um, the, you know the the strings too soon. Maybe they need a bit more direction. And the more you do that over time, as you say, it is does take time. And that's the thing with leadership; it's not something that happens overnight, which is what I was hoping it would be, which is a lot of us probably hope that the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out. And if you do spend more time, the more value they feel, or valued they feel, and certainly the more. they understand what their expectations are for them so yeah I, I agree with absolutely everything you've said. Patricia what do you want to add? Have we t- have we said everything?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes but you know for me I believe there are two purposes in life one of which is to help each other that's really why we're here how you help the other person is up to you and I think if you come from that point of view um, there there's a fork in the road. And one is that you ought to become a person who gives a lot of value, tremendous value, and you're human-centered. And that leads it on the path of success, in my view, because success tends to be coupled with that. And then the other part is um, where you come from a point of always getting as much as you can get from others. And that's where the ego sits in. And that's where I think the failure comes and for a lot of leaders they reach this fork in the road and the ones that i've seen who have failed are the ones where they've taken the route of i'm going to get as much as i can at, at the expense of you know any anyone or anything and the ego takes over and and at that point you know going back to what you know paul and Bradley said that they don't listen you know they make decisions themselves they don't take people along with them because the ego takes over. You can't be a good leader with the ego um, taking over being in the driver's seat and that's where I see often the failure. So if the leader comes from a point of and you know we've, we've talked about this in, in construction even you know, in you know, we're in construction to help people to rebuild things for people. we've forgotten that (laughs) you know and so that that's the failure that i see within the industry and also within you know some of the 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 so-called leaders within the industry it's now it's become become a numbers game you know we we'll have talk about value for money (laughs) you know and it's become a a bottom line game we see this even in the housing sector right? in construction the number of houses that are being built and once held back you know, to keep the market all buoyant, we see it because, you know, for many of us, we've gone down the road to, I'm going to say how much I can get at the expense of others, which, it, that it takes up us our human purpose, which is to help each other. And the ego takes over, and that, that's the failure. Uh, I, if, if a leader, you know, does something and it doesn't work out, I don't see that as failure. I see it as a lesson learned, and we can implement that in the next project. But if it's a leader who's totally caught up in him or herself you know I, I, we work with people like this we see them you know they walk around the site and it's just like you know the box stops with me and you shut up and we've been in you know rooms where the discussions are just toxic that's failure
0: mm-hmm. no yeah. yeah no that's that's a really good point i mean um egos definitely have a a play and a part in all that and uh i i've been i've been to construction sites where the project manager doesn't want to get to know that the people actually you know working on the job um you know digging a trench and then filling it with concrete things like that and and i think those those people are the most fascinating and so you know it's like we're talking brandy you know they're the ones with all the information they know what problems they've got um, you've got to strip ego out of that, and 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 the more that you get to know everyone on the project, uh, the more you help them take blockers out of their way. Like you're saying, the better they can do a better job and and safer, and and one that's definitely going to benefit the uh, benefit the, the project. Yeah, so uh, I think. I'll
3: tell you. I'll give it a, i I worked on a project um, once, and so we we'll all come down. We we'll have these meetings. Um, help, you know, everybody comes down, all the subcontractors, the contractors, and we'd we have this once a week meeting where we're supposed to like, you know, all come together and kumbaya. buy it. And I remember the project manager, something happened inside he wasn't happy with, and we were all sat there, and I remember the project manager saying, I make more than all of you in here. And I was just like, wow like, I wouldn't feel confident going to talk to him again because you know, we're not on the same payroll.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, like, and, and, you know, construction, um, it's filled with a, a, a lot of men and workers. And even imagine I'm coming out of that room, I could hear like the other guys talking, you know, like, how dare you talk to me like that? You know, like, you know, come on, you've already broken down any amount of
2: camaraderie
3: on this on the site like coming like that so yeah that's
2: been in my book just just adding to that just today on on linkedin and it's a phrase i've seen before patricia there's something called hippo which is called the highest paid person's opinion and that's a very good example what you what you said there you know the hippo isn't always right (laughs) (laughs)
0: I've not heard that one. That's good, you know. And 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 what you say, Patricia, about helping others. I mean, I think that's something I've learned, and something that, as a younger person, I always was uh, saw myself as uh, selfless and wanted to help others more than anything, more than helping myself. I think I got lost along the way and and got into this trap of having to make the numbers fit and having to get projects on deadlines and make a profit, things like this. And then now I'm sort of in the mindset of it's far better. And, and, and it feels far better to help others and genuinely help others. And I think that's right. I think that is, is, is what leadership is. And if you don't, if you are self-serving um, and, and you have an ego, that's when it goes wrong. That's when when projects don't work and you forget about deadlines and budgets and whatever else. They're just going to fall. And, and, and it's not a legacy that you left behind and nobody benefits from it you just got some arbitrary numbers at the end, you know, that were, which you can change at any point throughout the, uh, without, throughout the project, you know, you can have, a, you can start off with a completion date and it will be three or four months later when the actual completion date is, you can just change those arbitrary targets throughout the thing. So yeah, that, that's, that's really, uh, really great stuff. I, I completely believe in that. Um, so I, I'm sort of out of questions now is, um, anything else that you want to to put to the floor? Any questions I, that you just might have?
2: Ask you, I'm just going to ask you all, if there's one kind of phrase or word that you'd maybe suggest to, 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 leaders, uh, what, what it would, what would it be? And I'm going to include you in my, that as, as well, Michael, and I think, I don't think I'd escape it. <laughs> and I think for, for me, it's the kind of just two words. It's be kind. And I think we covered that, you know, a lot, a, a lot. Uh, big kind we've said you know try and do little harm and, and and that's around that servant leadership which is I think is what you were talking about there Michael so um, that that's that's my challenge to you three now
0: <laughs> so what was the challenge so boy so it's what was two words so? yeah what is
2: your words any any number of words you like whether it's a phrase or whatever how would you like to kind of lead it what does what does leadership in company uh, uh, um, what does leadership say to you, and what would you share as your kind of strap line for, for what leadership is and, and, and the kind of behaviors that you'd like to see?
0: Mm-hmm. Who wants to go first?
1: <laughs> Me, I've got one. I don't want anyone else to say it.
0: Go on, then you go.
1: <laughs> so, my, mine is um, I know um, after we finished the podcast last time, I said, oh, communication, you know, after we'd said it about 45 times during the hour we were talking. <laughs> Um, communicate effectively and by that I don't mean just talk to people I mean understand what people um, what their mechanism of communication is learn to read people learn to understand um, a room if you like and I think one of the things I've noticed coming in through the industry working on large projects is that a huge amount of information is generated on all of these projects a huge amount of detail and work goes into things like the work specifications and the drawings and there are many many times when the people who are actually building the project have never seen that information um, which is disconcerting at uh, at best and uh, and woefully wrong at worst you know I think it's that information is available. I'm not saying that you should necessarily give everybody outside a copy of the specification but there should certainly be a mechanism of communicating what the end game is to those people so that they can deliver their jobs effectively and so that essentially what you're being paid for, what those numbers are, are supposed to add up for at the end, is, is delivered successfully. The, the projects that I've worked on that have been delivered successfully at the end of them have resulted in friendships for life, they have resulted in um, camaraderie, they've resulted in many many people essentially being able to applaud that achievement and I've worked in ones that haven't been quite as good as well and um, it's not a pleasant feeling so if you can communicate effectively that will help you in delivering the project um, be it via what needed to be delivered as Patricia said building it for people to use and hopefully you'll satisfy the accountants as well. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've thought a lot about communication since since we first spoke in November, and um, I it, it's it seems like such a basic thing, communication. It seems like a basic thing, but it's so often, and I've I've tried to keep real track of it. How often what you say or what you hear is completely different from what people say or hear. It, it, it's it's all miscommunication. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. I meant it like this. I should have made that clearer. It, it, it is we we take it a little bit for granted we don't really emphasize as you put it enough about um the need for communication and the need for clear communication as you say the information's there um and everybody is the, the power is with that information and so the more the more people that have that information the better and how that's communicated and how's that received i try to consciously now so if i'm um setting some work or something like that we'll do it verbally i'll do it in an email so it's written down and um we'll do a couple of check-in sessions you know ask me a question you you're still okay with with everything i asked you know um, any questions and things like that um and i think you know if you get it into different forms that that certainly helps um and you, you, one of the things you mentioned in our podcast was about anything can be a communication one thing i've tried to educate the people that i work with a lot more is that so the drawings that we produce, we produce a tremendous number of drawings. Um, it's trying to think about, this is a communication what you're trying to say, what's the story you're trying to tell. And I did a, a really great um, podcast with a, a woman called Stephanie Somerville, and and all about storytelling, because we all need to be able to, to, to say the vision, given the, why are we here? Um, and also how you write a report, how you construct uh, a drawing is all about, it's all communication at the end of the day, you've got to make sure that that is received the way it's meant to be received. So yeah, I think communication's understated, I think. Yeah, thank you. Patricia, I'll let you go first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: um You know, I would say know thyself. It's very important that as a beginning, you know yourself, you know your strengths, and you know your weaknesses, and so you can then assemble a team um, that will you know, deal with tasks that you're not particularly good in or good at. But one of the things that Brandy touched on earlier that I to, you know, about decisions and construction you make decisions so quickly, I would say that is so true. And I always talk about this, like, we don't even get a minute to think, you know, and one of the things that I really think that we need to practice is to think slow and act fast. But we need to start thinking slowly and that will help us to make better decisions because right now we make decisions in such a rush and oftentimes you know it doesn't it doesn't pay off the way we expected so i would say you know think slow act fast
0: mm. that's really good yeah uh i think i'm really sort of guilty for that as well or have been in terms of acting fast and uh, and and pushing people to get answers out fast and uh, you're right i think uh, um Time is understated as well. You know, we've always got more time to make these decisions, more time than you think to make these sort of decisions. Yeah, I guess it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose um, for me, this w- this will lead into um, what I promised, which was why what I think is the most important aspect of leadership. So for me, the word is belongingness. Um, and um, if you think about... Uh, all the conversations all the um elements and qualities of leadership that we've talked about i mean we've done i've done 21 episodes now and i've spoken to 21 brilliant people and we've talked about some fantastic subjects and we talk about leading with smile listening we talk about authenticity communication self awareness these are all great actions of great leaders and i think it's around the one subject of belongingness um because what we what we say a lot of the time is um create that environment in which people can thrive and ideas and solutions can thrive and people bring out, you know, bring them the best selves. And um, well, you know, how do we sort of do that? And I think this is all around belongingness. And so, and, and, and there is science behind this. So I've been doing as a bit of like a geek, a bit of research into the science behind this, you know, um, into sort of happy hormones. So the, the element of belongingness and relationships all around uh, the hormone oxytocin, uh, and, and oxytocin is probably one of the most powerful hormones and certainly happy hormones you can ever imagine. Um, and, and for those that might not be aware, something I wasn't aware until we had our third child, that the, the hormone responsible for contractions during labour is oxytocin. And it's also that same hormone that makes you bond with your, your children and when they first... Um, and, and, and when you're just playing with your children or, or playing with, you know, have a dog and you're taking your dog for a walk or you're playing with your dog or any sort of pet, these all just bring you that sense of belongingness and relationships that release these Oxytocin feelings and um, that feel, give those people the 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 sense of being able to psychologically feel safe to share their ideas and, and feel safe. And this sort of fits into that structure of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if I look at business and organisations and in, uh, the construction industry, the only other sort of happy hormone that we see is, is dopamine and this is the sort of hormone that relates to our reward system so our brain rewards us you know so when we do something good when we tick things off on a list. I mean I always write to-do lists and write something on there that I've already done just so I can tick it off and give myself that dopamine here as I've already done that's great I've ticked that one off already and 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 now while we're more remote I have OneNote and it has a great to-do list. So I just go tick 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 and so I, I can't leave a list with not having everything unticked. and if it's something that didn't get done, I can't just delete it and, you know and, and what this means is that because dopamine dopamine is a very addictive hormone. it's like a, it's like a drug, it's like it's like alcohol or drugs or anything like that. And gambling, you know, because you get these dopamine hits. Um, it's very addictive, which means that we can fall into this trap. And I do this is, is thinking about goals, setting goals, setting targets and aiming to achieve it. When you achieve it, then you've got to go make the goal bigger and go next. And it can work out well because we all need to have goals and have a vision and, and a direction. And sometimes businesses need that in order to maintain profit- profitability. Um, but it's also it's a trap. You know, as I say, it's an addiction. If we just just focus on goals, if we just focus on the numbers and getting profit and meeting deadlines, it does nothing for building that environment when we can have great, great um, um, solutions and 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 the people can come and bring them absolute best selves. So, in the workplace, in construction and in organisations, we need to really sort of think about these oxytocins and developing these oxytocins within the people that we work with creating, really caring about people, really listening to, you know, your talks about, um, Sir Michael uh, Marshall talking to you about, um, you know, your family, you know, really get to know those people, um, really sort of look out for their interests and have their back, spend time building those relationships, building up those feelings of oxytocins. Because, you know, even now we have have so many conversations and almost kind of depressing conversations about salary rises and promotions you imagine in this pandemic right now that's not happening as much um, but what i fear is that then people don't feel valued because certainly you know when you've got these releases of oxytocins and you feel like you belong you're not so much worried about your salary as such or a less a less important or your promotion it becomes less important it becomes more about sticking with your team sticking with the people that you like you know you feel valued um, so as i say for me it's belongingness it's um, all these great actions that we've talked about that help to pull those things together and great um, teams of people that feel valued and in this environment where they feel like they can thrive. So I went off on a bit of a rant there, <laughs> but but for me it's 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 belongingness and that to me is the most important aspect of, of leadership. Great right uh, I would add as we discussed
3: you know working on major projects, and projects where you're in a matrix. (laughs) and You know, one of the ways in order to address that and to achieve similar to what you've expressed is us, we we need to, especially major projects where like five, sometimes 10 years on one project, Mm. is that we need to start viewing it as an organization and not just something temporary. And even the way we define projects, it's something temporary. You have companies that are their whole life existence is five years, ten years, you know. So we need to start viewing it as that, and that's where we're going to start valuing people more. Because right now, how projects are, it's like a revolving door. It's like the door that people just come and go. You don't, you don't even know some people. You don't even know their name. You just turn the project one morning and see a new guy. Oh, and <laughs> you know, so you don't have that connection with people because of that, and and. Uh, also, you know, that's one of the reasons why people just come and go too, because they don't have that feeling of belonging. But if we can start looking at projects as these temporary um, outfits, you know, offshoots of these major organisations, and start looking at them as organisations within themselves, then I think, you know, we can strive to achieving some of that, because then some of the responsibilities, as we have discussed, will get pushed down to Projects, some of the authority decision making will be done at project level, which in many projects right now it's not done there. So, you can't, for example, reward people properly. People don't really get promotions on projects. You sit there in the city, you, whatever in most projects, whatever um, level you came at, you leave. That's why yeah. people tend to leave too. Yeah. You know, so you really don't get that feeling of reward, you don't get that feeling of belonging, you don't get to know people. It's just a revolving door, this temporary outfit. And so if we change the definition of what a project is, especially a major project, which in the years, um, and start, you know, um, pushing down some of the authority and decision making and start changing the way we look at things and going back to what's our purpose, human helping human and how you choose to do that is your decision. But that's how we're going to start changing how things are done within the industry. and
0: really having that connection mm. yeah, yeah. I, I agree yeah yeah absolutely. I would um
1: I, w- I would add to that Patricia as well in that um one thing I've noticed on those sorts of major projects is you tend to have uh people working sometimes six seven days a week there's an expectation that they'll be on site there's this sort of martyrdom around being there for 13 or 14 or sometimes even longer hours or even doing a night shift and coming back for a few hours in the day for a meeting and there's there's a real um, expectation that people will do that for a long period of time. And as a result, you often see people, they don't take annual leave, they don't have any holiday and they get sick and they leave the project anyway. And it's not done in a planned way like a holiday would be so that then there's a, um, a gap from where they've gone. And, and when you're talking about people, belonging, to nurse health... Um, you know this sort of martyrdom we have about long hours in the industry it's um it's not healthy it's not good for mm. people and mm-hmm. when projects are treated as a project and not as an organization that it perpetuates that mm.
2: mm-hmm. yeah we got yeah. To, as leaders we got to start calling out long hours cultures it's not acceptable yeah. it's not sustainable it has uh, implications for health safety and well-being if you're tired you're going to make a mistake in it and affect others. Um, yeah, we. Uh, uh, <laughs> I recall Shania Twain, uh, you know, <laughs> great philosopher Shania Twain. That don't impress me much. Okay.
1: <laughs> but how many times, Paul? By the same token, have you heard somebody say he was a great boss? He was always the first one here and the last one out the office every single day. And whatever whatever I could do, he could do for me. You couldn't polish his boots, you know that kind of thing. That sort of hero worship of people that that do those long hours, that then makes people feel like they ought to be doing them as well, and it's it's, you lose productivity.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm a hero in your family's eyes. Sorry, Mike. I'm sure that's it. If you're giving there, you're not giving at home, and you know there's that work-life balance. Sorry Mm. to no,
0: no, no. I agree, and. Um, I've these conversations before where people almost glorify the fact that, oh, I did 80 hours a week this week or whatever and, and I'm working on 10 projects. I'm like, how can you have your focus on 10 projects? That just doesn't work. You know, I'm, I, I would struggle if I had my focus on more than two. You know, it's just you're going to do your yourself and the projects and the people that you work on if you, if you really just focus all that product Productivity time onto it. Uh, I think I think it was uh, I can't remember which country it was, um, but or a certain organisation where they've now gone down that's within the construction industry down to four day working, to drive productivity, uh, and and um, I'd definitely advocate for that. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think a lot of people said to me when I when I first had children that my productivity was going to go down because I'd have less time. I'd be more tired. If anything my productivity went up, because yeah, Patricia, yeah, Nodding, yeah because i i valued my time more i wanted to Hmm. make sure that i got all the work that i need to get done in those set hours because i was going to get home i was going to try and turn my phone off turn the laptop off and 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 spend time and i think this is where for me uh, working from home and 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 this pandemic has worked out really well for me because i've been able to really strike that balance i've not been traveling as much and um i i I think we can we are more productive when we've got less time we've got to fulfill the same duties in that less time so (gasps) spending 18 hours trying to do the same, uh, you know, one task is is, is not, not productive. That's not 18 hours of productive work. So, yeah, it's, it's a shame that we, kind of, in some respects, we kind of glorify that as well. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, we're, we're sort of coming to this end of this podcast now, and uh, I once again just want to thank yourselves for being part of this finale and um, every single guest. Um, I've learned so much from you three and so much from our guests um i just want to invite you is there anything else that you'd like to add or
2: uh... i just say I'd, i've learned a lot from yeah the the, the my, my co-presenters here uh, uh, as well and for the full series and it's it's been a privilege to, to to get to know you and you know thank you michael for what you're doing in this space it's definitely needed and you know more strength to your elbow and uh, I, I hope you kind of carry on and do and, and do things at the next level as well. You've definitely got a calling for this, uh, for for having a voice in the leadership space. So
0: Thank you. Mm, and thank you, Paul. It's been great to, to get to know you better as well. Yeah. Well, thank you ever so much. And all the opportunities as well that you've you've passed my way in terms of being able to speak with Open University, uh, with with Coventry University, you know these sort of things. Yeah. Great. And Anything I, more from Brandy or or Patricia? I, I agree. I think we
3: don't talk about leadership enough in the industry. And be you unsubscribed know, on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: podcast,
3: and I really, I really like it. You know, I love it. I love the diversity in terms of the guests that you have, the different views. And I really think this is a good niche that you're carving out. Most likely, I really look forward to see how it develops.
1: Yeah.
0: Great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Me and too. then
1: from from me, Michael, it's um. It's been a pleasure to be involved with it, for one, and to listen to the episodes week on week and also to be able to recommend these to the people that I'm mentoring and coaching because I think it is important to have these discussions and to Mm. make these people that are perhaps less experienced in the industry and only exposed to the leaders that they work with immediately to see different viewpoints and people Mm. from different aspects of the industry and and Mm. what they have experienced and what they've got to offer.
0: So thank Mm -hmm. you, now I mean I've gained so much out of this I've learned I've, I've questioned myself and the way I do things many many times through these conversations and I, I've got to say as well this isn't going to end so this is just the end of the first season so <laughs> come November I'll start again so I'll be looking for guests for that and you know you might you three might be getting a call as well to see if you'd like to come back on <laughs> um but uh you know I, I, I really enjoy doing this, and as I always said, if I'm helping one person out, then this is doing what it should be doing, um, and in that interim time, I'm going to be doing more things um, to try and um, further this cause that uh, promote good leadership within the construction industry, um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just, um, it's been a great experience, so thank you ever so much for your time, I really do appreciate it, um, and um, that's it, really. Thank you very so much. Thank you. Thanks,
1: Thanks. everybody. Thank you.